Bursting through my pores, they appeared like smoke, but on the floor, like so many crawling worms in great abundance. This is an excerpt from the moment when Swedenborg's intermittent spiritual experiences became a constant ability to see events in the spiritual world while simultaneously being conscious of waking life. Here we are inside Off the Left Eye. This week, Curtis and I dive into Act 2 of our first ever spirit story. Next, Dr. Jonathan Rose shares how we can have angels live in our minds. Then we travel to April of 1745 when Swedenborg started having daytime visions and experienced a cleanse this week in history. And to make our weekly goodbye easier, we'll end it with a song. Hey, Curtis. Hi, Chelsea. What's going on? Hey, well, I'm excited to have you here to do act two of our spirit story of the first one we've ever done. I've been waiting all week for this. I know. And so last week we were, you know, we did act one in which a newly arrived spirit finds himself in the spiritual world and wants to know about heaven or hell. And so this newcomer spirit was how it sort of ended was or part of the content was that this spirit was put on this quest by an angel to find out what delight was and that that would somehow give him the insight that he was looking for into what heaven and hell really are and how they're experienced. And so we left off wondering first whether he would actually find any spirits with wisdom because he was going around asking people what delight was and not finding very inspiring answers. <laughs> um, a bunch of cornballs. Yeah. So will he ever find spirits with wisdom? And so, you know, how will that happen? And will he really ever get these answers that he longs for about heaven and hell? So ready to launch into act two? Uh, we got to. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So where we left off. He left the people he was with and asked around to learn where he might find people with wisdom. So here's what happens next. An angelic spirit noticed him and said, I can sense your burning desire to know what the universal attribute of heaven is and what the universal attribute of hell is. Since the answer is delight, I will take you up onto the hill. So I'm just going to pause there for a second because he gets fed up and then you know, is it, it's got to be providence that this angelic spirit notices him, you know, and, and knows like, you're on this hunt, I'm going to take you to this hill. It seems like that was suspiciously good timing and suspiciously helpful person happen along. (laughs) It's sort of like in shows where they're trying to be cheesy, they'll say, well, that was strange that that passerby happened to have all that relevant information. (laughs) But it could well be that that just the act of him going around and asking prompted this noticing from this angelic spirit showed up on the radar somehow. Right. Or like angelic spirits are kind of always on the lookout to like, how can I help? So, uh, so then he yeah. like saw that this guy Could, needs some couldn't help. Couldn't help you notice, couldn't help but notice you were thinking about something. Like, <laughs> yes. Can I cut in for a second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's very relevant because I know what happens later. Okay. So, this angelic spirit goes on. There is a meeting every day there on this hill between spirits who conduct research on results, spirits who survey means, 
and spirits who investigate purposes. So busy spirits. The spirits who conduct research on results are called spirits of the academic disciplines, or abstractly, knowledges, with a capital K. The spirits who survey means are called spirits of intelligence, or abstractly, intelligences, with a capital I. The spirits who investigate purposes are called spirits of wisdom, or abstractly, wisdoms. So that's exactly what he's looking for. And yeah. he, he adds this extra thing. Directly above them in heaven, there are angels who see means in terms of the purposes behind them and see results in terms of the means that lead to them. From these angels, the three groups receive their enlightenment. So that's quite the setup they've got going on on that hill. <laughs> it's not quite a conference because it happens every day. It's almost like a think tank, but yes, composed yes. of people from different organizations. And they're hanging out on this hill because that <laughs> positions them well to receive this insight from these higher angels. We just kind of think of it as, oh, yeah, there's some kind of some nebulous orderless spiritual world that Swedenborg dips in and out of. But yeah, it's kind of like a, a visitor dropping in on the Harvard campus for a minute. Yeah, exactly. So here's how it continues. The angelic spirit then took the newly arrived spirit by the hand. Okay, maybe he's a little bit eager and led him up the hill to the group of spirits who investigate purposes. They are called wisdoms. Forgive me, the newly arrived spirit said to them for coming to join you. The reason why I have done so is that since my childhood, I've been meditating on heaven and hell. I have recently come into this world. Spirits who were assigned to me at the time of my transition, interesting, told me that heaven was over my head and hell was beneath my feet. But they would not tell me what heaven is or what hell is and how they are experienced. Because of my constant thought about heaven and hell, I became anxious and prayed to God. He's giving us this little review. Yeah, An angel we know it's true because we just saw it happen. Yeah, exactly. We know he's telling the truth to these other guys. An angel appeared beside me and said, investigate and find out what delight is and you will know. I did investigate, but I've learned nothing. <laughs> Burn to those delights, those Oof. people who are talking to about delights. I ask you then, if you would, please, to teach me what delight is. And so here's what he finds out. Well, how are you going to say no? To that poor little guy. It wasn't even his fault that he went up there. Someone grabbed him by the hand and brought him up there. So. Right. So he's like, can you help me? And so to all individuals in heaven, the wisdoms replied, delight is the most important thing in their lives. And to all individuals in hell, delight is the most important thing in their lives. I'm glad we separated that out. <laughs> yeah. But so that delight is the answer. He's sort of, it's been sitting in front of his face the whole time. He's like, well, what is delight? Well, delight is actually the answer to what heaven and hell are. So the wisdom goes on. Those in heaven take delight in what is good and what is true. Those in hell take delight in what is evil and what is false. Delight is always related to love and love is the underlying reality of our lives. How human we are depends on what kind of love we have. That's pretty impressive. Therefore, how human we are also depends on what kind of delight we feel. When our love is active, it causes us to feel delight. A heavenly love becomes active with the help of wisdom. A hellish love becomes active with the help of insanity. In either case, the activity causes the person to experience delight. 
The heavens and the hells have delights that are opposite to each other, however. The heavens love what is good and therefore take delight in benefiting others. The hells love what is evil and therefore take delight in harming others. If you know what delight is, you will indeed know what heaven is, what hell is, and how they are experienced. So this guy or girl just went off and lectured to him and gave him exactly what he was wanting to know. <laughs> oh, I feel like I don't need to know anything anymore. That was, I'm satisfied. I know that was super concise and like very clear. Um, was that was that Angel doing an elevator pitch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Couldn't have been much more than a minute. That yeah, a good right. One. I should memorize it. And so, but this uh, wisdom spirit goes on and says, but investigate and find out more about delight from the spirits who survey means. They are called intelligences. As you go out, they are on your right. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> well, so there's more. We got to absorb more. I know. Yeah. Okay. I know. And that's what's that's what's amazing is that I feel like he went to this hill and went straight to these to the wisdom department, you know, and got like this core answer. But then it's like now you've got this core thing go to this next level or this other part of the space or something and you're going to like add even more to your understanding. So we're going to go with him here. Well, and he was so burning he, so yeah. much energy where he was before, searching far and wide, talking to a ton of people, doing a, this self-directed seeming search for what wisdom is and getting nothing. And mm -hmm. But once he's brought to the right spot, it's like... Wow, we just got way more than we needed, and they're f shuttling me right towards the next <laughs> yes. answer. It's totally a the, the tone has changed. Yes. So he left there and came to the next group. He stated the reason he had come and asked them to teach him what delight is. Oh, so I, don't he's getting, feel, he's... I don't even feel ready for it. Like, are you really going to read the next one? Aren't we going to do oh it the gosh. next week? Okay, fine. I know, I know. It really is. But I mean, it's true. This all goes together, and we are going into it, even though it's. You, you get you we get to experience it like how that spirit must have felt too so okay. oh because this is what's hilarious Curtis okay so he says um and ask them to teach him what delight is <laughs> do you remember these guys are the intelligences and okay he said they greatly enjoyed being asked <laughs> <laughs> well since you since you were wondering <laughs> and said it is true that those who know what delight is know what heaven is, what hell is, and how they are experienced. The will, which is the faculty that makes us human, is not moved an inch by anything other than delight. By definition, the will is simply the desire that belongs to some love and therefore some delight. There is something agreeable and therefore pleasing that causes us to will. Since the will is what drives the intellect to think, not a moment of thinking occurs unless there is some delight flowing in from the will. And I just want to pause there for a second because that actually is like since Swedenborg's day or just after in like the 19th century, this people have been developing like a philosophy of education based on this idea, you know, like that's and it's kind of permeated our whole society that really you need to enjoy something really to learn about it. You can't just, if you don't have any delight there, nothing's gonna, you know, stick. Um, yeah, and that that's why they've worked it out so that school is so enjoyable. <laughs> There's maybe some work to do. <laughs> oh, man. 
preschool. Think of preschool. That's enjoyable, right? No, no, no. Listen, I I actually, I like school. Whenever we would have to (laughs) read a book for class and everyone was like, oh, I don't want to read this book. I feel like I enjoyed every book we had to read for school. So (laughs) There you go. You're one of these intelligences. Okay. (laughs) Well, since you asked. Yeah. (laughs) So the intelligence guy or girl goes on and says, the reason why this is the case is that everything that happens in the soul and mind of angels, spirits, and human beings is set in motion by the Lord through an inflow that comes from him, an inflow of love and wisdom. This inflow is the movement that causes the whole experience of delight, which at its point of origin is called blessedness, good fortune, and happiness, and in its derivation is called delightful, pleasant, and pleasurable. In a universal sense, it is what is known as good. The spirits of hell, however, turn all things upside down within themselves. They turn what is good into what is evil and what is true into what is false. The only thing they retain is the sense of delight, because if delight did not continue, they would have no will and no sensation, and therefore no life. This should clarify the nature, experience, and origin of the delight felt in hell and the nature, experience, and origin of the delight felt in heaven. Like, round of applause. What? What book is this from? What number is this? Oh, True Christianity 570. You can listen to the podcast if you want to hear us read it through again. <laughs> I do. This is, it's like, uh, it was a, like a couple of points in there, just like, oh, I'm already underwater from this point, <laughs> And then there's another wave before I can breathe. So I'm going to have to reprocess that. But the, yeah. he gave like a very tangible ish definition of what good is in there which is like the holy grail of swedenborg study right isn't it i was thinking the same thing it's like there it is yeah that definition of good and it's so true that he's like he's getting a little or whoever this is is like making it a little bit more like detailed in your under like the process the mechanism you know like that's and that's interesting compared to like just sort of the core principles that the wisdom spirit just like nailed you know it fits it fits with the the character the wisdoms and the intelligences i know yeah and so upon hearing that the newly arrived spirit was brought to the third group ready curtis no just kidding we're not going to go to the third group yet (laughs) that's that's for next time (laughs) get up off the floor yes no this is great it was an awesome number yeah and so that's where we're going to leave our newcomer for this week he's probably feeling really full right now like us too Uh, But he seems to have gotten his answer about delight. And so I wonder what the third group is going to teach him. You know, his mind is already probably just, you know, full. Oh, yeah. He's he's sorry that he asked by now. It's like, no, I just just I just meant like it. It's like nice sunshine and people are friendly. (laughs) Yeah. Where were those first spirits I talked to? Maybe I just want to go get some. Yeah, that's fine. I'll settle for that. Okay. So, yeah. He's like, give me a minute. All right, we'll give the newcomer a minute. And you guys, everyone listening, can stay tuned for next week when we'll reach the conclusion of this newcomer's journey in Act 3. So, so excited to go on that journey with you, Curtis, next time. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'll I'll spend a week getting ready. Yeah, right. (laughs) See if we can uh, review our information and get ready for the next time. Um. Yeah. And so next right now, we're going to go visit the desk of the NCE. And, you know, I really would have you come with Curtis, but it's just pretty cramped in there with all the books. So, (laughs) yeah, it smells like books in there. I can't go. (laughs) 
Yeah, it would be two not good things for your allergies. So that's right. Um, so I will look forward to catching up with you at the end of the show to see where Swedenborg was and what he was up to this week in history. Hey, Jonathan, how are you doing? Doing very well. How are you, Chelsea? Good. I uh, left Curtis out in the hall, <laughs> and, uh, but here I am for our weekly NCE Spotlight, and I am looking forward to hearing what, you know, what gems have you been finding or have you found today or this week or anything? Yeah, the um, I've just entered a new editorial process, mm-hmm. much like the ones before, but it's more accelerated, and so there's even more pressure for me not to pause and just spend time <laughs> reflecting about things, you know. And so I just grab them, throw them into a note in my phone, and and then I go back over them. And I, oh, oh, fun. They, they, so it's so fun to be able to have a moment to pause and, and look at these things. There are two real beauties today. Uh, one is Secrets of Heaven 2242, subsection 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, what this is about, it's not real long, but it's about um, something that's been of interest to me for a while, which is that Swedenborg explains that the reason Scripture is the way that it is, the Bible, you know, in specific, is because it's here to appeal to us in our earthly state, but it has this inner meaning that's for the angels, Mm. Well, that's an amazing thought. You know, I don't know who whoever thought that angels were reading books or, you know, reading scripture and so on. But why do we need to know about that? Mm. Is there anything that would be for us about that part of it as well? And so he addresses that here. Since the letter of the word, meaning just that outermost, sort of literal meaning, is designed for us, its inner meaning is intended for the angels. Hmm. The inner meaning exists also for the sake of people who, while living in the world, receive from the Lord in his divine mercy the gift of resembling angels. Whoa. Now, that is, first of all, an <laughs> awesome piece of translating. Lisa Hyatt Cooper is just astonishing <gasps> at, at translating these things into memorable and powerful English. And what a beautiful thought. What a way to put it. I don't ever remember reading something like that in Swedenborg. The gift of resembling angels, <laughs> you know. And so that can be for us, uh, even while we're living in the world, it's quite explicit. You know, mm-hmm. and that's why it exists. It also exists for people uh, who receive, while they're in the world, from the Lord, the gift of Oof. resembling angels. Uh, that's just a beautiful thought. Wow. The second one is also great. It's on a different topic. It's number 2268. And um, Swedenborg often talks, he's often trying to communicate the relationship between truth and goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, 
how does that work and explain sometimes that truth is a vessel and may or may not have goodness inside it. <laughs> what exactly does that mean? I stumbled on this fascinating passage with a helpful analogy, and this is a little bit longer. The word compares truth in the human mind to a city and mm -hmm. also refers to it as such. It compares the goodness present in that truth to a city's residents hmm. and again refers to them as such. So I'll hit pause there for a second and just say, uh, so you picture the city there would mean... I don't know. It means to me kind of infrastructure. You know, yeah, it's, it's right. roads, buildings, signposts. This is this district. That's that district and so on. You know, it's yeah. sort of this organized structure. Often uh, the merchant cities back in Swedenborg's time would have walls around them to defend the commerce that goes on. And, hmm. and um, so that's a structure. But then the goodness is like, the people who, who live in yes. it, which is pretty amazing because, um, as we've talked about before sometimes, uh, people back in that time really loved the truth and seemed to even sometimes privilege it over love or goodness or even say that truth just by itself, just thinking certain thoughts or deciding certain things in your mind will do it for you, you know, mm -hmm. and Swedenborg's often out to get that thought. And then he says that um, if the truth that we store in the different levels of memory and that our mind employs in its thinking, so again, I want to hit pause just there for <laughs> a second. There's such a cool description of what truth does. First of all, you kind of accumulate it in these different levels of memory, which is intriguing. And then your mind goes to use that in its thinking. Oh, there's a principle. Oh, how will I form this plan? Oh, well, here's a piece of knowledge or, mm. or something in there, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that our mind employs in its thinking. If all that, if that truth in our memory and that our mind employs lacks goodness, it's like a city without inhabitants, vacant and empty. Mm. Now, that's a pretty powerful image. I know there's a lot of apocalyptic or gloom and doom sort of futuristic movies where, right. you know, everybody's been wiped out or, yes. you know, there's just a few people going through these empty streets. And it's a very kind of chilling image to think yes. if you don't have goodness in there. So you need to have goodness residing in your city of truth. Then he takes it to the next level <laughs> and he says, the Angels can even be said to reside in the truth we know, hmm. infusing it with positive emotions that come from the Lord, uh, under what conditions, provided we live lives of love for the Lord and charity for our neighbor. Hmm. So if we've got love for the Lord and charity for our neighbor going on, Angels can actually reside in the city of our of our truth. I mean, man, our truth has got to be so impoverished compared to theirs. <laughs> Why would they come live in oh. our truth? You know, it's amazing. Oh, man. And then it says again about the angels. This is a little conclusion of it. 
that's where they enjoy settling. In other words, mm. they like living among such people. Aww. I just love that. The angels, yeah. you know, they gravitate toward, well, this is a good neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and you might say, well, I think you can do better. You know, you can afford a better place than that. No, oh. they like living. The, the neighborhood's good. You know, there's love for the Lord. There's love for the neighbor going on. There's never, development going on. I'd never thought about it, you know, before. But the whole tradition, or at least I had this tradition growing up, is like you make a fairy house. And if you make a fairy house, then the fairies come and stay in it. That's you know, right. You don't know. It's just sort of this understanding that, oh, there's always fairies that want somewhere to stay. So you just you make right. the fairy house and they come stay. And I, <laughs> that is like exactly what this is saying is like my little fairy house in my mind, like my city <laughs> in my mind can be build the city and, and these angels will want to come hang out there if you've got the love and charity bit. <laughs> That's right. It, it kind of... Exp- I don't know. It fits in with the idea that so many people who have near-death experiences come back with this voracious appetite for learning. It's Mm. just interesting. You know, are they trying to, like, enlarge and improve their city or or something because they know something about this? And it's also a beautiful sense. One of the most important things to me is this idea that heaven and earth are supposed to come together and get closer to each other. And there's yeah. even supposed to be a heaven on earth. Well, what yeah. a very specific mechanism he describes here yes. for how that would work, that angels would move into the loving truth <laughs> that uh, that is constructed in our humble little minds. Wow. You know, that's just a beautiful thought. So it's a rich thing I get to do for a living to, to, to read these things, but I don't always have time to sit there and go, let me reflect on that. Yes. Know? Sit still and just like stare at your wall for a while. You know? That's just right. Like, whoa. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much, Jonathan. So fun to uh, peer over your shoulder and get, get some spiritual food from these awesome passages that you've quoted for us. And, and I'm so yeah. grateful to um, have the opportunity to stand up from my desk for a minute and, yeah, and stretch uh, and share these and 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 be able to tell people some of the excitement. I mean there are thousands of things like this in these books and so yeah. it's so cool. I know. Oh, and they do just have infinite depths like we were just finding out in the first in our spirit story this week. So anyway, so don't sit down cuz you're going to come with me now and we're going to go see where Swedenborg was this week in history. Are we going to get to see Curtis? Oh, yes. He's waiting right outside the door. (laughs) Oh, great. Okay. Hey, Curtis and Jonathan. Hey there. Hello. Hey, it's great to have the band back together. (laughs) And this week, we are going to another... Obviously, it's still April, and we're going exactly pretty much one year later from last week's, you know, Where Was Swedenborg segment. Interesting. Um, Yes. So a year later, this was another big turning point for Swedenborg. And people might remember last week we talked about um, this transformative encounter Swedenborg had with Jesus, this vision of Jesus being held in Jesus's arms um, and... And then over the course of that year, that was 1744, 
it was like three months later, he had the fly incident that everybody can go listen to the first podcast if you want to get brought up to speed on that, uh, where he saw a spiritual representation of a fly and it sort of freaked him out. Um, and then, you know, six months after that was the first time he was taken by surprise when a spirit addressed him, you know, and that he somehow knew, I guess he saw that the spirit was sitting on a block of ice. Block of ice. Uh, Yeah. And we explored that in another podcast. I know, kind of harrowing. And so now a full year later, it's April again, and we don't have the exact date, but we know it was April in 1745 that Swedenborg records that he started having what he calls daytime visions for the first time. And the daytime visions is to, yeah, differentiate it from, you know, a vision in a dream, or even it seems like late at night, the spirit addressing him from the block of ice was like in the evening, just as he was falling asleep. Um, and, And so this, he seems to differentiate that these were these daytime visions, and it seems to be the beginning of what he calls this experience of continuous speech with with spirits in the spiritual world, spirits and angels, um, and, you know, inhabitants of hell and everything. And so to get a sense of what he means by this, he actually describes how he differentiates these daytime visions. To give it some context, he is reading about or references Genesis chapter 31, where Jacob says, I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, but you know, Jacob's in the middle of the day, he's out by his animals. And so he lifts his eyes and sees in a dream. And so it's this sort of a vision that can happen during your waking life. And um, here's what Swedenborg says about it. He says, here, a dream means the kind of visions that take place at a time of wakefulness, when the mind is withdrawn from outer sensations and passion. At such a time, the mind left alone to itself, sees everything displayed to it as if before the eyes. Such dreams as these are elsewhere called visions, and they occur in full daytime when a person is wide awake. One really sees mentally the symbolic displays themselves, not as thought sees, but as external sight does outside of itself. So that's amazing. And he goes on and explains how these visions, you know, existed in the earliest church and there's, uh, you know, records of it. It happens all the time in the Old Testament. And he says, like, I can affirm that such displays do occur even in the daytime. And in fact, so vividly that one may see the spirits themselves and many things that take place in heaven. This has often happened to me. And at the same time, angels spoke with me. This was also the case in the earliest church among the patriarchs. Heaven and earth were joined together so closely that those who were in the heavens spoke with those on earth and the reverse and thus portrayed symbolically those things which would come to pass. This is how revelations took place at that time, which is so interesting. And so it's in another um, number in Word Explained, because Word Explained also was where Swedenborg started, you know, writing down in the margins these uh, his spiritual experiences that were happening to him. And in Word Explained uh, 1003, he actually gives a time frame and says that he's been having these kinds of daytime visions since April 1745. And and then there's another data point in another word explained number that 
in Word Explained 5,292, that that number can be dated to sort of late June, early July of 1746. He says that he's been having this continuous speech and for 15 months. And so 15 months, backtrack, calculate it, it lands you in April 1745. So somehow this April was this turning point of him starting to have these waking life, daytime, you know, not seeing as thought does, but seeing as your external sight does, being able to see in the spiritual world, which having grown up with these ideas, we talk about it in terms of like, oh yeah, his spiritual eyes were opened. This is a crucial date for Swedenborg because when he later in his books will be trying to defend his credibility, he will always say, and and I saw these things in a state of full wakefulness. Yes. I can't be crazy. They can't just be dreams because I was totally awake. So this, right. this means something. And also the continuously, I, I feel like in those same sorts of declarations he'll talk about, and now continuously for some 20 years or 10 years, or depending on where he is yes. in his journey. So this is a big, this is when it, it gets real for him. Yes, That's right. this is that clock starting. Something, uh, it suggests that things were intermittent before, like the experiences right. we just described. Another little interesting tidbit to me is that um, Easter Easter swings back and forth by, by a six-week period. And as we talked about last time, people would take the Holy Supper or Eucharist uh, communion at Easter. And Easter in 1745 was on April 18th, Sunday. And... Oh. Uh, so once again, just like last week, it's, it's possible, I don't know, but it didn't yeah. fall in March, which can sometimes happen, you know, but it was in April again, and boom, here he goes, another April, and yeah. he's <laughs> going even farther into this uh, spiritual experience. Wow. You'd think after this, if it happens two years in a row, you know that when the next April came, he's probably like, what's going to happen this April? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, And so, so what, well, yeah, so what did happen that April in 1745? So we know, okay, he had Easter at some point, probably took Holy Supper, but we have in spiritual experiences, number 397, a, way, a vision by day, a daytime vision that he even marks as that and gives the date April 1745. Again, he doesn't give an exact day, but it just says April. It's and amazing so, that he actually yeah. labels it as a daytime vision. I mean, that's so interesting. And another interesting thing is that that passage, if memory serves, was written quite a bit later. It's interesting that he didn't mm. write it down right away, but quite a bit later he writes and puts kind of backdates it to April 1745. Oh, like that that's this was noteworthy, you know, that he knows like okay, that was really a change cuz right, if something has been happening intermittently, you're like, all right, here's another random thing that just happened, but then it's only in retrospect that he could know, oh wait, ever since that happened, like they were all vision after like visions by day after that right. point, you know, like you'd realize, oh, that really was the it, turning it, point. It did not stop. Yeah. 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 Wow. So here's what happened. Ready? Ready to hear it? Ready. It probably okay. involves an angel and ethereal music <laughs> and some sort of 
<laughs> vision of light, maybe clouds. Um, right. Harps. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gorgeous, right. gorgeous Curtis. choir singing. Do you want to make any guesses, Curtis? Yeah, it's going to be something weird. <laughs> All right. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see who wins the the 25 cents I have here in my hand. Okay, (laughs) so here, Spiritual Experiences 397. A vision by day about those who are given to feasting and thus devoted to the flesh. At midday, around lunchtime, an angel who was with me cautioned me not to overindulge my stomach at table. While he was with me, a kind of vapor clearly appeared to me to be issuing from the pores of my body, having a visibly very watery quality. It seemed to sink down toward the floor where there was a carpet on which the vapor coming together turned into different kinds of tiny worms. These gathered together under the table in an instant and with a crackling sound just burned up. I saw the fiery flash and heard the noise and judged that all the little worms that can be generated by an immoderate appetite had thus been cast out of my body and burned up, and that I now had been cleansed of them. From this experience, one may infer what sumptuous living and the like harbor within them. So Jonathan was right. Yes. <laughs> right. It was, no, it was, it was much closer to what he said than something weird. <laughs> there was and an angel. I've heard that story before, but what I never feel like I heard was him saying, I think I just got de-parasited. Exactly. Literally. I know. Right. Spiritually or something. And I or is he say... talking about that I think physically it killed all the parasitic worms in my gastrointestinal tract? Somehow. And somehow yeah. this angel as diet coach, I mean, what a fen- phenomenal benefit <laughs> of spiritual experiences to have some... I could really use an angel, angel diet tell coach. tell you, hey, whoa, 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 slow down there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. I really, I would love that. Like, where can we sign up for, you know, little angel nudges that then, I guess if we listen or like you know hard to argue with that where it's like oh that's what's happening when i eat too much you yes. know it has all these <laughs> probably got his attention uh, i doubt whether he overate much after that amazing what a, a few burning spiritual worms will do <laughs> it's a quick remedy <laughs> change the whole trajectory of your life so yes again it is entirely true that this is quite a remarkable you know uh experience to have be the the thing that like it never it never went away after this you know <laughs> like that he was having these uh spiritual this continuous speech with the spiritual world at all after this and it's like i think of these representations and visions as being sort of you know this thing appeared before me over there but this is very personal you know this is like this vapor coming out of his body and going down to the floor and everything yeah, it almost suggests that his actual physical body needed to be changed in order to really hold this daytime vision state and this continuous speech with mm. angels. And um, it does fit, when I think about it, with his general model of shunning evils first and, and then you do good and useful things. You know, like, oh, there's mm. something standing in the way, we'll just burn that out right now, help you out a little bit and maybe horrify you a little bit, but uh, it's okay. 
it'll be good. And um, and then he can step into this new state more kind of even down to kind of a physical cleansing or at least that part of the spirit that is closest to the body. Yeah, all the little worms that can be generated by an immoderate appetite. Well, that is quite, quite a message, quite a turning point for Swedenborg. Thank you so much, Curtis and Jonathan. It is always a pleasure to go on these little history adventures with you. Oh, it's mutual for sure. That was wild. We close out each episode of the podcast with a Swedenborg-inspired song. If you have a Swedenborg-inspired song you'd like us to share, you can email us at offthelefteye at gmail.com. You can submit your song that way, and if you give us permission, we would love to showcase your Swedenborg-inspired music. First, I want to say I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Inside Off the Left Eye. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe to the podcast to never miss when a new episode comes out, or even review it. Doing so helps others find the show. This week, I am super excited to share a song by Jim Murdoch a musician and songwriter in Scotland. You can find him on Facebook as James Anderson Murdoch, and he is doing a musical project called Songs of Swedenborg. And his first single of the project just came out in the last few weeks. It is called Adramondoni, and that is the name of a garden Swedenborg visits in the spiritual world where he hears about married love from angels. In this song, Jim actually samples Curtis Childs in the News from Heaven episode, The Divine Origin of Sex. You can get or stream this song, Adramondoni, on Apple Music, Spotify. There's a link in the description. And Jim is donating 50% of the proceeds to Off the Left Eye. So thank you so much, Jim. Thank you for creating this awesome music and for giving us permission to share it here. I'm Chelsea Odner, and I look forward to being with you next time we're inside Off the Left Eye. But until then, here's Audra Mondoni from Jim Murdoch's Songs of Swedenborg. Enjoy the music. In the east, I saw a grove of palms and laurels placed in spiral curve. bridge separated it, with a gate at the grove end and a gate at the garden end. I approached and a keeper opened the gate.
I went in, and there were olive trees with trailing vines hanging from tree to tree, and flowering shrubs under and among them. circle where husbands and wives and young men and women were sitting two by two and in the middle of the circle where the ground rose was a little spring leaping high from the force of its stream what is the name of the garden i asked him he said ajamandoni He said, Ajamandoni. Ajamandoni. 